As opposed to Perek Revi'i, that spoke about Irhani Dachat, Perek Hamishi speaks about what happens to the Masit, the instigator. And unlike Irhani Dachat, Masit is more likely to happen. And it does not need Irhani Dachat behind it in order to be liable. <clears throat> One second, for some reason, it's not appearing here. There it is. Hamesit Echad Mi Israel Ben Ish Ben Isha Hareze Niskal The Masit, the one who instigates to do Avodazara, any other Jew, whether male or female, he gets Sekila. Even if none of them did just simply by instructing someone to do Avodazara, one is liable of becoming a Mesit, regardless of what happens afterwards. Whether the, the instigator was a regular person, a prophet, whether the, the individual who was being instigated was one, or male, female, several, he gets sekila. Hamesit etrov masit. Now, uh, if if uh, if it rises to the point that the majority of the city become become uh, uh, they, they decide to secede, then this is what we dealt with last chapter. It's madiyah irhanidahat. It's not mesit. Mesit is someone who. Is simply provoking, he's instigating, he's trying to get people to do Avodazara. Madiach is a much more advanced stage where he was successful with the majority of his own city. If the person who was successful in causing an Iran Dahat was a prophet, he gets Sekila. And, and as we said before, one of the conditions being that the for Irani Dacha there need to be more than one instigator. An example, a likely example of there being only one instigator would be when someone claims prophecy of some sort and comes to a city and says, you all need to worship a certain way or, or this and this deity. This is not Irani Dacha, this is Masit. So if a Masit is a prophet and he convinces the majority of the city, the city, those who follow him, are dealt with like any person following Abu Dazara, um, until they they actually are more than one. And whether the person wanting to instigate this Abu Dazara is claiming a message from the Abu Dazara itself, he's saying, uh, the God of the Sun Apollo has told me we have to now worship the Sun or if he says God himself the God of Israel told me that we have to worship the Sun this is an example of a prophet that does Haddaha and if the majority of the people follow him he gets Sekila so again sorry let me just clarify something 
for Irani Dahat to become Irani Dahat, you need more than one person. However, for a person to be called Madiyah as opposed to Mesit, he can be an individual and all he needs is to convince the majority of the city. But as we said, as we said before, as we said before, the Masit as well, sorry, I lost the place. The Masit as well will also get, Harazen Iskal will also get Sekila, so there is no distinction in the punishment here. It's more the distinction on the definition if it's Madiyah or Masit. But, uh, as we said before, someone who instigates whether in singular or plural, if he says, uh, you go and do Avodah Zarah, or if he says, uh, let us go Avodah Zarah, it's the same thing, and he gets the same punishment, which is Akila Ketzad. Whether a person says, I'm going to do Avodah Zarah, or, or I'm going to worship, or let us go to worship on this specific worship or this Avodah Zarah, is Bach, I'm going to go and do and slaughter for Avodah Zarah, I'm, uh, uh, I'll, I'll go and, and slaughter, I'll, let us go and slaughter, Akater, I'm going to do Hekter, which is again the third um, um, universal action, uh, it, it burn something, or let us, or I will, same with Nesech, Anasech, Lech Vanasech, Nelech Unasech, with bowing down, all of those formulations are enough to cause someone to be liable for Hesit, for Hasata, Harazemesit. But, Hesit Lishnaim, Harehen Aidav. If someone tries to convince two people to do Avodah Zarah, these two people themselves, although they are participants in this action, not willingly, they don't have to agree, of course. But although they, it's something that happened with them, they can become the witnesses that testify against them in court. And they can testify that this is exactly what he said, and he gets sekila. And mesit, as opposed to someone who is of Zara, does not need a warning. He doesn't get this right, this due process right of being warned before being liable. It's something that's way too obvious. If, if he says to only one person, and this one person will never do Avodah Zarah, and in fact he wants to help the court make a case against the person who is trying to cause him to do Avodah Zarah, but he knows that he is not enough to do so because you need two witnesses. <coughs> so he can say, Hey, buddy, you want me to do Avodah Zarah? One second, let me go and bring my neighbor also, and you tell us both to do it, in order to then have two witnesses. In other words, this is called, in English, entrapment. They try to entrap him. This is something that you can do, specifically in this case. You may entrap, you may have two witnesses uh, trying to create a case, to fabricate a case that wasn't there before against a person. In order to cause them to be liable for the death penalty. And if uh, he was too smart and he said, no, 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 I'm, I'm going to talk to you, each of you individually, it's actually a mitzvah to try to have like hidden witnesses somewhere 
and everything we can do to create a case that is justiciable against this person. And this is something unique to Masit. We do not do this entrapment. We don't try to encourage anyone to do something in a way that satisfies all the elements for a capital punishment other than Masit. How do we entrap him? How do we try to make him fall into this trap? So let's say Shimon called Levi to do Avodazara. So Levi then brings two of his friends, Yehuda and Issachar, and puts them in a dark place. You know, someone standing in the dark can see people in the light, but not vice versa normally. So they see him, but he doesn't see them. They hide. And then he tells the, the Masit, tell me again what you just told me an, an hour ago. Tell me about uh, Zeus again or about Apollo. What, what did you want me to do? What did you want us to do? And then he says, And then there needs to be another step. The Musat needs to make sure that this is deliberate. This is not a hatra'a, but it's just to make sure that this is deliberate. So you have to ask the Masit, wait a second, but uh, Shimon, uh, sorry, uh, yes, Shimon Levi says to Shimon, Shimon, why why do you want us to go and worship Apollo? How can we do that to our to our Lord in the heavens and, and go worship something made of stone or of, or, or of uh, wood? And if he then retreats, or he, he no longer insists, he's patur. But if he insists and he says, no, this is our duty, this is appropriate to do, to go and worship Apollo or Zeus, then those who are standing there hiding can now have enough evidence to bring them to court to uh, render him guilty. This is something uh, specific to this case. The one who was the object of this approach, the one who the Masid was trying to bring to Duavod Azara, is the first one. He has to cast the first stone against the Masid, and he's the one who has to start the process of killing him in the Beddin. Consistent with what we said at the end of the last chapter, this is one of those instances where the Torah demands of us that we turn off our emotions, we don't apply them indiscriminately, and it's forbidden to have some sympathy for the Masit. The, the, the Torah says, you may not um, listen to him. And given that the Torah says elsewhere that when we have someone whom we don't like, we must help them with their donkey if they need help. In other words, the Torah does want us to have sympathy for those people whom we don't like. Does this apply also to a person like this, like the Mesit? So that's why the Torah repeats, it says, you may not listen to him, and you may not heed his words. It's, re it's repetitive, but that's because we could have had another argument that we should, in fact, have sympathy for this person. So the Torah is doubly insisting that we should not. 
ולפי שנאמר לא תעמוד על דם רעיך, יכול אי אתה עומד על דמו של הזה, and given that it says in another place that a Jew is forbidden to stand idle, stand by while another Jew is suffering or is, is, uh, is dying, could we ever say that this applies to this case and also the Masit is within this Pasuk? That's why the Pasuk says triply on a third time, not only you may not listen to him, not only may you not heed his words, but also you may not uh, have pity for him. And, and the Torah continues, It's five different things. So we learn five different things from here. It's also forbidden too for the Musat to try in court to play this guy's advocate, to say, hey, but I actually think that he didn't really mean it or something like that. Furthermore, if he has evidence to present to the court that is helpful for the case, he cannot withhold it. So if he says, actually, you know, he was asking me to worship Zeus, and the other day I saw him worshiping Zeus, right? So that's helpful for the court, and, and, and therefore that's something he cannot with, withhold. And where do we have in the Torah the actual proscription, the actual prohibition from doing hasata? Because it says, Because it says, after the, ep the episode is described of what we should do with the Masit, and everyone should see what's happening, and they shall no longer or not ever do anything like this. So this part, they shall not ever do anything like this, is where the Torah actually says, you may not instigate others to do Avodah Zarah. Hey, Hamesit Aharim Le'ovdo ve'amar lahem Avduni. Someone who convinced, tries to convince other people to worship himself and says, worship me. If they actually worship him, he gets sekila. If they did not worship him, even if they agreed and they said, yeah, you know what, that sounds good, tomorrow we'll build a temple for you, but they didn't do anything, then he doesn't get sekila. In other words, from the three ways by which someone can be considered to have worshipped Avodah Zarah, the way it's meant to be worshipped. Number two, the four universal worships. And number three, accepting someone as your authority, as your deity. This third one alone is not sufficient in a case where someone claims that he is the one to be worshipped. But if the person was trying to convince others to go and worship his neighbor, then as soon as they agree to it and they say, yes, we are going to, or yes, he is our God, then that is enough to make him into a Mesit. Something very interesting here, I think, I'll drop a footnote, a tentative footnote here. I'm not sure about this, but I suspect that when someone, let's say uh, uh, Abraham, Abraham Cohen, asks uh, others to worship him, the reason why accepting him as an Eloha is not sufficient is because this is not the classical 
form of avodazara where there is no dialogue avodazara is not a relationship of one talking to another or of one commanding another the only relationship that is like that by the way is between god and am israel god talks to am israel in the first person we talk to god in the second person we have a horizontal relationship all other forms of avodazara are vertical is someone else telling you what to do in a third person with something else or with someone else so the moment someone says worship me it's a little bit different already and therefore accepting him as an eloha is not the same kind of vertical relationship that normally exists in avodazara this can be developed much further i just wanted to point it out in case this helps anyone's train of thought to develop something um, interesting now we are going to describe how can someone be liable for acting as a false prophet. So the first kind of a false prophet is someone who prophesizes in the name of anyone other than God. If he says, if uh, someone comes and says, I heard in my dream from, let's say, from Jesus, or I heard from Asherah or from Buddha that we have to do a certain thing, even if what he says is correct. It's not the substance of what he's saying. Let's say he says, uh, Jesus told me in my dream that we have to love each other. Great, we have a misvah, we have tarah But because he's claiming a source for his prophecy of something other than God, even if he agreed to the halakha that's irrelevant, it's the fact that he's claiming prophecy from Avodah Zarah that makes him an avisheker. And if he was warned and has to witnesses the normal elements for capital punishment, he gets a capital punishment of Henek, which is death by asphyxion. Because the Pasuk says, whoever speaks in the name of other gods, he needs to be put to death. And where do we see in the Torah that this is forbidden? Again, we always try to find the Pasuk in the Torah that forbids it, not only the Pasuk that punishes. Again, we go back, we revert to that sort of generic Pasuk that we are going to use for a lot of things in Ilchot Avodazara. You may not uh, invoke, pronounce the name of other gods. So within this also we find the Azhara for not in the name of other gods, delivering a message of uh, alleged prophecy. And if someone is actually claiming that kind of a prophecy, it's forbidden for us to try to debate him or try to ask him for a sign. If someone says, Buddha told me that you have to cut your grass, that's the end of it. We don't ask him, oh yeah, really? Show, prove it to me. Walk on water. No, that's irrelevant. That's only for Neviyah Emet. As we said in the Torah, it's only in order to reinforce something that we already suspect that someone is a Navi. But here, if he's some claiming Nebuah in the name of Abu Dazara, we know at the outset that this is fake. And if he went and walked on water by himself, uh, it's irrelevant for us, we don't pay attention to it. Furthermore, if you start believing that, oh man, he walked on water, or, oh, he flew, he flew on a carpet, or he used a certain holy name and he flew or did something of the sort. If you start following that thought 
and thinking that maybe he's also true by following that that thought you are violating a commandment you may not heed the words of that navi in other words even the things that he does to prove his nevoah also navi asheker is someone who who um who who Navi Sheker is not Navi B'Shem Avodah Zarah, it's different, it's someone who claims to have a prophecy from Hashem, but it's not a true prophecy. He also gets the same punishment, which is Henek, even though he uh, had a nevuah, an alleged prophecy on the name of the right God of Hashem, even though he did not add or subtract anything from the Torah, he actually told you to cut your grass. He said, God told me yesterday you should, you should cut your grass. It's not against the Torah. It's not for the Torah, but still, says a prophet that dares to say something in my name that I did not prescribe them to say, or that he speaks on the name of another God, like we said before, in both those cases, the fact that he claimed something that wasn't the case, he claimed that God told him a message and that's not true. Again, it's not the message what matters. It's the it's the actual agency. It's the actual agency. It's the fact that you are telling, you're portraying yourself as representing either Avodah Zarah or God, and it's not true. That is what makes you liable for Navi Shekhar. Um, whether you, you, you have a prophecy that was not true, you... It's it's uh, so two cases. Whether someone makes something up completely out of scratch and says, "Yeah, God told me that you have to cut your grass," or if he actually heard a navi saying something true, so there was a true navi next to me, and this is a case that happens in the book of of uh, Melachim. Uh, there was a true, uh, there is a true prophet, and uh, and that true prophet says something true, and I hear that, and then I claim that it was me who heard it. Then I'm also being a false prophet, and that is uh, uh, enough for making me liable for that penalty. Whoever hesitates from from killing a navi a navi shaker, a prophet that prophesizes something false, even if this navi was, you know, he was a respectable let's say rabbi or hacham and he was known to 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 be worthy of he had a reputation of someone who could possibly have nevoah but once you know that the, the nevoah is not true you may not hesitate from killing him out of fear out of respect for the person because you should fear hashem more and hashem told you that a person who does this he's acting bizadon he's acting in a very daring way in a very deliberate way wanton way and Lot Agurmimenu, we may not um, fear him, we may not be intimidated by him. Likewise, someone who hesitates from rendering testimony against him in court, or someone who starts being scared, let's say that Shabbatai Sevi claims he's, Navi Shek, he's the Navi and we know he's not, and then he says, and whoever does not listen to me and doesn't cut the grass tomorrow, uh, God is going to kill all of their children, Right, and and then someone starts uh, being scared of what's going to happen. That's also something the Torah warns us against. 
ודנין נביא השקר אלא בבית דין של 71, נביא השקר is a national affair and therefore it's, it's justiciable, it's adjudicated by a בית דין, the Supreme Court of Justice in the בית המקדש which adjudicates national matters. יוד הנודל בשם עבודה זרה והנשבע בה לא כשנאמר ושם אלוהים אחרים לא תזכירו אז we said the פסוק ושם אלוהים אחרים לא תזכירו we may not use the name of other gods is very versatile we already used it for three mitzvot if I'm not mistaken this is the fourth one we may not have taken oath in the name of עבודה זרה you cannot say um, by Zeus for example I'm going to do this or uh, I swear by Jesus or I swear to this or I swear by that Whoever does that, whoever uses the name of another God to take an oath or to do a nether, the difference between nether and shavuah, both are oaths in English, but one is when, you, when your statement relates to the object and the other one is when your statement relates to the verb, to the action. More on that when we get to those halachot. And it doesn't matter if you are taking this oath before a Jew or before a non-Jew. It's also forbidden to, to have a, a, a goy, a non-Jew, swear, take an oath on their own God. You cannot force a goy to swear on the name of Jesus. Swear by Jesus or swear by Mary or something like that. And even uh, using the name of the Avodah Zarah, even not the Shavua, even not in the context of an oath was forbidden by this pasuk. Obviously not when you're using it like we are using it right now, or like Harambam used Markulis and, and Peor before, when you're actually using it in a productive way to discuss within Torah what you want to say. But if you just want to, I don't know, you, you want to talk about uh, a certain Avodah Zarah with a Goy, then Uh, this is why, you know, we, we often shy away from saying Jesus and many people say Yeshu instead, which is sort of a, a, uh, a, um, a kinui. It's a, it's, it's, it means, we all know what it means, but it's not the actual name. By the way, uh, something which might be relevant and it's worth looking at is if someone ever is called upon to take an oath on a Christian Bible. Uh, a Christian Bible has names and uses the name of Avodah Zarah. And I think that many people, when they take an oath on the Christian Bible, they are, by that, taking an oath on Avodah Zarah. So if they are asking some of us to take an oath on the Christian Bible, we have to analyze that and, and see if it's permissible or not. Yud Aleph. לא יאמר אדם לחברו שמור לי בצד עבודה זרה פלונית וכיוסי בזה וכל עבודה זרה כתובה בכתבי הקודש מותר להזכיר שמה כגון פעור ובל ומבוא ורד וכיוסי בהן. It's forbidden to use עבודה זרה as a reference for something like let's say there was a statue of פעור outside my city I can't say to my friend hey can you please uh, leave my, my donkey tied on the tree that's next to פעור you can't, you can't use that for that uh, matter and this is the interpretation of what it means not to use the name however the names of Avodot Zarot that were mentioned already by the Torah, it's permissible to, to mention. Like all the Avodot Zarot that Haramam just listed. Although it's forbidden to, as we said, cause others to take an oath or 
to fulfill a promise that was taken on the name of an Avodazara. The only one who actually gets punished by a court is the one who is taking the oath, the oath on the name of Avodazara, or the one who's fulfilling the oath on the name of the Avodazara, or the one who swears on the name of Avodazara. With that, we finished the fifth chapter, and tomorrow, Be'ezrat Hashem will continue with chapter six.